Chapter six of The Wooden Horse by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six. Randall was only at the flutes two days, but he effected a good deal in that time. He did nothing very active, called on Mrs. Letary and rode over the downs once with Robin, but he managed to leave a flock of very active impressions behind him. That, as he knew well, was his strong point. He could not be with you a day without vaguely, almost indistinctly, but nevertheless quite certainly, influencing your opinions. He never said anything very definite, and, on looking back, you could never assert that he had positively taken any one point of view. But he had left, as it were, atmosphere, an assurance that this was the really right thing to do, this the proper attitude for correct breeding to adopt. It was perhaps with him a case of correct breeding, and that was why the Trojans liked him so very much. Randall, as Clare said, knew so precisely who were sheep and who were goats, and he showed you the difference so clearly. Whenever he came to stay, some former acquaintances were dropped as being perhaps not quite the right people. He never said that anyone was not the right person, that would be bad breeding, but you realize, of your own accord, that they were not quite right. That was why the impression was so strong. It seemed to come from yourself. Your eyes were suddenly opened, and you wondered that you hadn't seen it before. He said very little of Trojan people this time. The main result of his visit was its effect on Harry's position. Had you been a stranger, you would have noticed nothing. The motto of the gentleman of good breeding is, the end and aim of all true opinions is the concealing of them from the wrong person. Randall was exceedingly polite to Harry, so polite that Robin and Clare knew immediately that he disapproved, but Harry was pleased. Randall spoke warmly to Robin. You are lucky to have such a father, Bob. It's what we all want, you and I especially, a little fresh air let into our Cambridge dust and confusion. It's most refreshing to find someone who cares nothing about all those things that have seemed to us quite erroneously, probably, so valuable. You should copy him, Robin. But Robin made no reply. He understood perfectly. There had been some qualities in his father that he had, deep down in his nature, admired. He had seemed to be without doubt a man on whom one could rely in a tight corner, and in spite of himself he had liked his father's frankness. It was unusual. There was always another meaning in everything that Robin's friends said, but there was never any doubt about Harry. He missed the fine shades, of course, and was lamentably lacking in discrimination, but you did know where you were. Robin had, almost reluctantly, admired this before the coming of Randall. But now there could be no question. When Randall was there, you had displayed before you the complete art of successful allusion. Nothing was ever directly stated, but everything was hinted, and you were compelled to believe that this really was the perfection of good breeding. Robin admired Randall exceedingly. He took his dicta very seriously and accepted his criticism. The judgment of his father completed the impression that he had begun to receive. He was impossible. Randall was going by the 1045, and he would walk to the station. 
a whiff of fresh air robin is absolutely essential you must walk down with me i hate to go miss trojan very soon to return i hope mr randall answered claire she liked him and thought him an excellent influence for robin thank you it's very kind but one's busy you know it's been hard enough to snatch these few days besides robin isn't alone in the same way now he has his father claire made no reply but her silence was eloquent i'm sorry for him miss trojan he said he is i'm afraid a little out of it twenty years you know is a long time claire smiled he is unchanged she said what he was as a boy he is now he is fortunate randall said gravely for most of us experience has a jostling series of shocks ready life hurts he said good-bye with that air of courtly melancholy that claire admired so much he shook harry warmly by the hand and expressed a hope of another meeting i should be delighted harry said what sort of time am i likely to catch you in town but randall alarmed at this serious acceptance of an entirely ironical proposal was immediately vague and gave no definite promise harry watched them pass down the drive and then he turned back slowly into the house it was one of those blue and gold days that are only to be realized perfectly in cornwall blue of the sky and the sea gold on the roofs and the rich background of red and brown in the autumn-tinted trees whilst the deep green of the lawns in front of the house seemed to hold both blues and golds in its lights and shadows the air was perfectly still and the smoke from a distant bonfire hung in strange wreaths of grey-blue in the light against the trees as though carved delicately in marble randall discussed his prospects he spoke as he invariably did with regard to his past and future airily and yet impressively i don't like to make myself too cheap he said there are things any sort of fellow can do and i must say that i shrink from taking bread out of the mouth of some of them but of course there are things that one must do where special knowledge is wanted not that i'm any good you know but i've had chances besides one must work slowly styles the thing flaubert and pater forever the doctrine of the one word robin looked at him with admiration by jove randall i wish i could write i sometimes feel quite well it sounds silly but inspired you know as if one saw things quite differently it was very like that in germany once or twice ah we're all like that at times randall spoke encouragingly but don't you trust it an ignis fatuus if ever there was one that is why we have bank clerks in peckham and governesses in bloomsbury writing their reminiscences it's those moments of inspiration that are responsible for all our overcrowded literature they had chosen the path over the fields to the station and suddenly at the bend of the hill the sea sprang before them a curving mirror that reflected the blue of the sky and was clouded mistily with the gold of the sun that sudden springing forward of the sea was always very wonderful even when it had been seen again and again and robin stopped and shaded his eyes with his hand it's fine isn't it randall he said one gets fond of the place 
he was a little ashamed to have betrayed such feeling and spoke apologetically he went on hurriedly there was an old chap in germany at worms who was most awfully interesting he kept a little bookshop and i used to go down and talk to him and he said once that the sea was the most beautiful dream that the world contained but you must never get too near or the dream broke and from that moment you had no peace randall looked at robin anxiously i say old chap this place is getting on your nerves always being here is bad for you why don't you come up to town or go abroad you're seedy oh i'm all right robin said rather irritably only one wonders sometimes if he broke off suddenly i'm a bit worried about something he said he was immediately aware that he had said nothing to randall about the feveral affair and he wondered why randall would have been the natural person to talk to about it his advice would have been worth having but robin felt vaguely that it would be better not for some strange reason as yet unanalyzed he scarcely trusted him as he had done in the old days he was still wondering why when they arrived at the station they said good-bye affectionately rather more affectionately than usual there was a little sense of strain and robin felt relieved when the train had gone as he hurried from the platform he puzzled over it he could hold no clue but he knew that their friendship had changed a little he was sorry as he hurried down the station road he decided that life was becoming very complicated there was first his father that oughtn't in the nature of things to have complicated matters at all but it was complicated because there was no knowing what a man like that would do he might let the family down so badly it was almost like having gunpowder in your cellar randall had thought him absurd robin saw that clearly and randall's opinion was that of all truly sensible people but after all the real complication was the feveral affair it was now nearly ten days since that terrible evening and nothing had happened robin wasn't sure what could have happened but he had expected something he had waited for a note she would most assuredly write and her letter would serve as a hint he would know how to act but there had been no sign on the day following the interview he had felt for the most part relief he was suddenly aware of the burden that the affair had been he was a free man but with this there had been compunction he had acted like a brute he was surprised that he could have been so hard and he was a little ashamed of meeting the public gaze if people only realized he thought what a cad he was they would assuredly have nothing to do with him as the days passed this feeling increased and he was extremely uncomfortable he had never before doubted that he was a very decent fellow nothing perhaps exceptional in any way but judged by every standard he passed muster now he wasn't so sure he had done something that he would have entirely condemned in another man and this showed him plainly and most painfully the importance that he placed on the other man's opinion he was beginning to grow his crop of ideas and he was already afraid of the probable harvest that his affection for dahlia was dead there could be no question but that it was buried either for himself or the public was most unfortunately not the case he was afraid of discovery for the first time in his life and it was unpleasant 
dahlia herself would be quiet at least he was almost sure although her outbreak the other evening had surprised him but he was afraid of mrs feverel he felt now that she had never liked him he saw her as some grim dragon waiting for his inevitable surrender he did not know what she would do he was beginning to realize his inexperience but he knew that she would never allow the affair to pass quietly away to do him justice it was not so much the fear of personal exposure that frightened him that of course would be unpleasant he would have to face the derision of his enemies and the contempt of those people whom formerly he had himself despised but it was not personal contempt it was the disgrace to the family the house was suddenly threatened on two sides his father the feverels and he was frightened he saw his name in the papers the trojan name dragged through the mud because of his own folly oh it must be stopped at all costs but the uncertainty of it was worrying him ten days had passed and nothing was done ten days and he had been able to speak of it to no one it had haunted him all day and had spoiled his sleep first because he had done something of which he was ashamed and secondly because he was afraid that people might know there were the letters he remembered some of the sentences now and bit his lip how could he have been such a fool she must give them back of course she would but there was mrs feverel the uncertainty was torturing him he must find out how matters were and suddenly on the inspiration of the moment he decided to go and see dahlia at once things could not be worse and at least the uncertainty would be ended the golden day irritated him and he found the dark gloom of the feverel street a relief a man was playing an organ at the corner and three dirty tattered children were dancing noisily in the middle of the road he watched them for a moment before ringing the bell and wondered how they could seem so unconcerned and he thought them abandoned he found dahlia alone in the gaudy drawing-room she gave a little cry when she saw who it was and her cheeks flushed red and then the colour faded he noticed that she was looking ill and rather untidy there were dark lines under her eyes and her mouth was drawn there was an awkward pause he had sat down with his hat in his hand and he was painfully ill at ease i knew you would come back robin she began at last only you have been a long time ten days i have never gone out because i was afraid that i would miss you but i knew that you would be sorry after the other night because you know dear you hurt me terribly and for a time i really thought you meant it but i do mean it robin broke in i did and i do i'm sorry dahlia for having hurt you but i thought that you would see it as i do that it must i mean stop i had hoped that you would understand but she came over and stood by him smiling rather timidly i don't want to start it all over again she said it was silly of me to have made such a fuss the other night i have been thinking all these ten days and it has been my fault all along i have bothered you by coming here and interfering when i wasn't really wanted mother and i will go away again and then you shall come and stay and we shall be all alone like we were at cambridge i have learnt a good deal during these last few days and if you will only be patient with me 
i will try very hard to improve she stood by his chair and laid her hand on his arm he would have thrilled at her touch six months before now he was merely impatient it was so annoying that the affair should have to be reopened when they had decided it finally the other night he felt again the blind unreasoning fear of exposure he had never before doubted his bravery but there had never been any question of attack the house had been it seemed founded on a rock he had never doubted its ability before now with all the cruelty of a man who was afraid for the first time he had no mercy it is over dahlia there is no other possibility we had both made a mistake i am sorry and regret extremely if i had led you to think that it could ever have been otherwise i see it more clearly than i saw it ten days ago quite plainly now and there's no purpose served in keeping the matter open here's an end we will both forget heroics are no good after all we are man and woman it's better to leave it at that and accept the future quietly he spoke coldly and calmly indeed he was surprised that he could face it like that but his one thought was for peace to put this spectre that had haunted him these ten days behind him and watch the world again with a straight gaze he must have no secrets she had moved away and stood by the fireplace looking straight before her she was holding herself together with a terrible effort she must quiet her brain and beat back her thoughts if she thought for a moment she would break down and during those ten days she had been schooling herself to face whatever might come shame exposure anything she would not cry and beg for pity as she had done before but it was the end the end the end the end of so much that had given her a new soul during the last few months she must go back to those dreary years that had had no meaning in them all those purposeless grey days that had stretched in endless succession on to a dismal future in which there shone no sun oh he couldn't know what it had all meant to her it could be flung aside by him without regret for him it was a foolish memory for her it was death the tears were coming her lips were quivering but she clenched her hands until the nails dug into the flesh the sun poured in a great flood of colour through the window and meanwhile her heart was broken she had read of it often enough and had laughed she had not known that it meant that terrible dull throbbing pain and no joy or hope or light anywhere but she spoke to him quietly i had thought that you were braver robin that you had cared enough not to mind what they said you are right it has all been a mistake yes he said doggedly without looking at her we've been foolish i hadn't thought enough about others you see after all one owes something to one's people it would never do dahlia it wouldn't really you'd never like it either you see we're different at cambridge one couldn't see it so clearly but here well there are things one owes to one's people tradition and oh, lots of things you have got your customs we have ours it doesn't do to mix he hadn't meant to put it so clearly he scarcely realized what he had said because he was not thinking of her at all 
it was only that one thing that he saw in front of him how to get out away clear of the whole entanglement where there was no question of suspicion and possible revelation of secrets he was not thinking of her but the cruelty of it the naked unhesitating truth of it stung her as nothing had ever hurt her before it was as though he had struck her in the face she was not good enough she was not fit he had said it before but then he had been angry she had not believed it but now he was speaking calmly coldly she was not good enough and in a moment her idol had tumbled to the ground her god was lying pitifully in the dust and all the creed that she had learnt so patiently and faithfully had crumbled into nothing her despair seemed for the moment to have gone she only felt burning contempt contempt for him that he could seem so small contempt for herself that she could have worshipped at such altars she turned round and looked at him that is rather unfair you say that i am not your equal socially well we will leave it at that you are quite right it is over he lowered his eyes before her steady gaze at last he was ashamed he had not meant to put it brutally he had behaved like a cad and he knew it her white face her hands clenched tightly at her side the brave lift of her head as she faced him moved him as her tears and emotions had never done he sprang up and stood by her dolia i've been a brute a cad i didn't know what i had said i didn't mean it like that as you thought only i've been so worried i've not known where to turn and oh don't you see i'm so young i got driven i can't stand up against them all why he was nearly crying the position was suddenly reversed and she could almost have laughed at the change he was looking at her piteously like a boy convicted of orchard robbing and she had loved him worshipped him five minutes ago his helplessness would have stirred her she would have wanted to take him and protect him and comfort him but now all that was past she felt only contempt and outraged pride her eyes were hard and her hands unclenched it is no good robin you were quite right there is an end of everything it was a mistake for both of us and perhaps it is as well that we should know it now it will spare us later so that was the end he felt little triumph or satisfaction he was only ashamed he turned to go without a word and then he remembered there are the letters ah you must let me keep them for a memory she was not looking at him but out of the window onto the street a cab was slowly crawling in the distance she could see the end of the driver's whip as he flicked at his horses you you can't you, you don't mean robin turned back to her i mean nothing only i am tired you had better go we will write if there is anything more look here robin was trembling from head to foot you must let me have them back it's serious more than you know people might see them and my god you would ruin me he was speaking melodramatically and he looked melodramatic and very ridiculous he was crushing his bowler in his hands no i will keep them she spoke slowly and quite calmly as though she had thought it all out before they are valuable 
now you must go this has been silly enough good-bye she turned to the window and he was dismissed his pride came to the rescue he would not let her see that he cared so he went without another word she stood in the same position and watched him go down the street he was walking quickly and at the same time a little furtively as though he was afraid of meeting acquaintances she turned away from the window and then suddenly knelt on the floor with her head in her hands she sobbed miserably hopelessly with her hands pressed against her face and mrs feverel found her kneeling there in the sunlight an hour later dahlia she said softly dahlia the girl looked up he has gone mother she said and he is never coming back i sent him away and mrs feverel said nothing End of chapter 6